Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Now that Halibu has left the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, who will be the CAP affiliate from the province? Dave Wells wants it to be his organization, the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. MFNEN holds a special meeting in Cornerbrook this coming Saturday, February 23rd, where members will vote on whether to join CAP. We'll hear from Dave Wells later in the show. But first, more on the fallout from the resignation of Jody Wilson-Raybould from the federal cabinet. A mega-political problem for Justin Trudeau, months away from the next election. But what about the impact on the Assembly of First Nations, which under National Chief Perry Bellegarde has hitched its wagon to the Liberals? As Trudeau struggles to explain exactly why she was demoted from Minister of Justice and Attorney General, Indigenous opinion is strongly in favour of Wilson-Raybould. BC chiefs in particular have spoken out in her support. So has the AFN regional chief on the other side of the country, Morley Gugu. The AFN regional chief for Nova Scotia and Newfoundland made a picture of him and Wilson-Raybould, his Facebook cover photo, and he said this, I support Jody Wilson-Raybould and know that she is very principled and a strong Indigenous woman. It was not an easy choice to choose the road you chose to take, and certainly believe the Creator will take care of you. I thank you in being the change maker Canada needs for all people. Hashtag I believe. Hashtag I support Jody. Hashtag we believe. AFN National Chief Perry Bellegarde, on the other hand, struck a different note about the departure of the only Indigenous member of the Cabinet. While expressing pro forma support, He went on to tell the New York Times that the resignation story was one big distraction, and he had work to do. But what work can he get done now, with liberal-indigenous relations in political disarray and an election looming? What will be the fate of the Bellegarde all-in-with-Justin strategy? We speak with Russ Diabo, Mohawk from Ganawagi, and the editor and publisher of the First Nation Strategic Bulletin. Perry's in a tough spot because, um, you know, the B.C. region exerts a lot of influence over the Assembly of First Nations, given that they have 200 of the 600-plus bands in the country. And um, if you look at the media reports, um, most of the major, I think all of the major leaders in British Columbia have all come out strongly in support of... um, Jody Wilson-Raybould, and even went further and have condemned Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, uh, especially Jody Wilson-Raybould's father, Bill Wilson, who, of course, you know, clashed with Pierre Elliott Trudeau in the 1980s constitutional talks and Aboriginal matters. Yes. And um, so Jody comes from a pretty strong family there on Vancouver Island, um, and <clears throat> her grandmother is a... Is a you know, was a strong matriarch. So um, she does come from those uh, traditions. Um, And I think there is um, sympathy for her because the Globe and Mail article um, that started all of this um, controversy um, seems to be putting 
putting Jody in a position where she was um, taking a position of principal. Yes. You know, as the uh, Attorney General for Canada on the SNC Lavalin case, and um, that um, the article said she was being pressured. We still don't know by who. There's many unanswered questions. The Prime Minister keeps changing the story. In the end, um, you know, when she resigned, uh, he was putting the blame on her. And um, we really, you know, as as one commentator, Mary Ellen Terpolafon, she's a former judge and a, a legal scholar, uh, she stated that there needs to be some kind of a neutral body to look into all of this. Uh, she said on television, I saw that um, the current Attorney General from Quebec um, has already offered an opinion supporting the Prime Minister's position. So she thinks he needs to remove himself from the discussion now because, you know, he's no longer neutral. You know, the current Justice Minister uh, has uh, supported the Prime Minister without asking Jody Wilson-Raybould uh, what happened. So he seems to uh, That's correct. Be, be taking the Prime Minister's word. So do you think, uh, you mentioned this, the opinion in um, NBC and the support that she has there. Do you think that's being translated back to AFN headquarters in Ottawa? Do you think uh, the National Chief is, is hearing that? Well, you made reference to the National Chief's statement to the New York Times, which is a, a huge publication with a wide audience, where he basically said she made her decision. Uh, now, you know, I don't have time for distractions kind of thing. Yes. Uh, I need to get on with the work. And he's talking about the, the Indigenous languages and the proposed child uh, welfare legislation um, because, you know, the clock is ticking. They have to the government would have to get that passed by June through the House of Commons and the Senate. And with the distractions going on in Ottawa, it looks uh, like it's going to be uh, tough to do that. And I think the whole reconciliation agenda blew up by Jody's resignation and also that combined with the cabinet shuffle where he shuffled out a, a senior cabinet minister, Jane Philpott, to Treasury Board, you know, uh, who while she was heading up Indigenous Services, and put in Seamus O'Regan, who's a junior minister, also a friend, I understand, of the Prime Minister. Yes. But he has no uh, little experience, I would say. Um, maybe a little in Labrador, he said, uh, when he was an assistant to a minister. Um, but he has little experience to address the Indigenous Languages Bill or the Child Welfare Bill. Yes, uh, and, uh, he, uh, a minister in charge of Indigenous Services who had, shall we say, a not very good to performance evaluation in Veterans Affairs, the new minister, and moving out a minister, Philpot, who was seen to be uh, an effective minister, which is the reason why she she was moved on to that problematic um, uh, department. So uh, it doesn't uh, bode well, I guess, for the for that um, for that agenda. Well, she was seen uh, as being very competent because she was the minister of health before she became the minister of Indigenous Services. So she had a lot of um, relationships with First Nations leaders uh, already, you know, from being the health minister. So when they moved her out and they demoted Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, many uh, First Nations leaders view that as a signal that uh, this reconciliation agenda is dropping in priority as the Liberals head into the next federal election. 
And you mentioned those two pieces of legislation, the child welfare legislation and the the uh, indigenous languages. Both those, of course, are facing resistance from uh, different um, parts of uh, indigenous peoples across the country. The child welfare legislation, some people say, you know, preserves the um, the federal government uh, say so. And um, well, actually, um, CBC reported and put a clause out a few days ago uh, in the draft bill. They got a quote of a copy, and they made it, the the clause they put out there made it clear that any First Nation that wants to exercise jurisdiction in child welfare has to get an agreement, not only with the federal government, but with the provincial government. And and that's the status quo right now. Mm. And with all the children in care, obviously, the status quo is not working. And First Nation leaders saying they need to have control over that so that they can determine um how to deal with the safety of the children and where to place them in the event that they have to intervene. Right now, the provincial child welfare agencies are taking them and placing them outside of the community with non-Indigenous families, and sometimes that leads to adoption and and loss, and it's it's quite a big industry, actually, because a lot of money is involved. So we have those two pieces of legislation um, facing, you know, some resistance. We have an election looming uh is this the um is the the sort of afn uh you know liberal uh strategy sort of at an end now it's all it is what it is at this time and probably especially with this um the, the jody wilson rebel story not a lot can happen uh going forward between now and the next federal election i i think that's true i think between now and uh, october you know, the Assembly First Nations is going to have a hard time moving um, Indigenous issues along because, like I said, I think the whole reconciliation process has blown up as a result of Jody Wilson-Raybaud's resignation and the shuffling out of Jane Philpott, mm-hmm. out of Indigenous services. And we already know that Carolyn Bennett, who's been shepherding this so-called uh, rights recognition framework, announced in November that that was delayed until after the election. Personally, I think it's dead, and I think they're implementing the framework uh, piecemeal now through, like, you know, the legislation, the languages bill, and the child welfare bill, um, their new fiscal relationship, um, the fact that they've got two federal departments now that they're still restructuring the government under. So, you know, they've got the pieces that they're moving forward with, um, and they're still trying to get agreements at these recognition tables and these uh, – land claims tables and self-government tables. So they've got different negotiation tables across the country, Mm. pretty much dealing with all groups. So it seems like that's what they're going to be trying to do um, between now and October is to try and get final agreements going in there, but also probably making some promises again as to what they'll do that they didn't complete this time because the record over the last three years, they didn't deliver on a lot of their promises. Both for the uh, the Liberals and Perry Bellegarde, they're sort of at the end of a road. Uh, I don't know what you think of um, Bellegarde's uh, survival chances are as national chief after all this. Um, well, I don't believe he can run again anyway. The charter says two terms. You know, his term will be up after the next, after this federal election. But he's going to be, I'm sure, trying to promote uh, voting for the Liberals again. Um so that he can continue with his agenda. But I think this is this whole situation has turned many First Nations people off, and I don't think they're going to come out and vote like they did in 2015. And if they do, I think they're going to be looking at other choices like the NDP or the Greens. Mm. There's, I doubt that any 
very many will go for the Conservatives. You know, I think many will just stay home because mostly that's what our people did in the past. But after 10 years of the Harper's um, regressive policies towards Indigenous peoples and the Liberals' promises, that enticed a lot of people to come out and vote in record numbers. Mm. But I don't think you'll see a repeat of that in, in this election. And, and what do you think the the ongoing implications are for the AFN? Of course, the AFN, there are different visions of what the AFN should be. Should it be a um, uh, a more uh, militant organization, you know, advancing uh, sovereignty in, um, you know, in a very vocal way? Or should it be what it has become, I think it's fair to say, under National Chief Belgar, more of a lobby organization? And we might think that we had the best circumstances in the past uh, years with uh, Trudeau government, uh, but we we find the situation we're in. So what would you think uh, the effect on the EFN will be of these uh, of these events? Well, Perry Belgard has announced that they're in a one-year listening and that he plans on starting a process to, you know, uh, look at changing the EFN charter next year, you know, after the election. But, um, you know, I ran for national chief, and what I was calling for was fundamental restructuring of AFN. And I think its role is to do advocacy. Um, and it is a lobbying organization. It's not a government. Um, but it could have, um, I think as an organization, it could be helping more on the development of the internal capacity that we need amongst First Nations instead of always following Ottawa's plans. We need to develop the ability to do our own long-term planning, our own research, our own kind of mapping on, you know, what's going on in our territories with the resource development and that. And um, I don't see AFN doing any of that. I see them basically with the agreements they've signed with the federal government. They're just going along because the federal government controls the process, um, uh, the pen and the agenda. Mm. And I think that's why Perry Belgard is stuck having to support the Prime Minister, even against Jody Wilson-Raybould, um, because, you know, they've put tens of millions of dollars into AFN this year, and uh, I think the Prime Minister is calling in the chits, mm-hmm. you know, asking uh, Perry's support. Well, regionally, the leadership is all going after him mm-hmm. for how he's treating uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould in this whole uh, controversy. Russ Diabo. Now from the AFN to its poorer cousin, Cap, the voice of non-status Indians in Canada. Dave Wells wants the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland to step into the seat in Cap, just vacated by Halibut. I spoke with Dave Wells about making the transition from legal advocate to non-status band. On uh, February 23rd, uh, the meeting is centered on uh, MFNAN, or Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland, becoming a full member of the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples. That is the main purpose. So within that meeting, we're going to put a motion out uh, to uh, to the Assembly saying, would you like to join or do you not want to join? Mm. the uh, the Congress, or CAP, as it's known for, uh, short form for the organization. There's been some um, questions about whether being a member of a non-status band is detrimental to people becoming uh, member status members of Halibut. 
i.e. that if you're non-status, then mm -hmm. it sort of knocks you out of, of going for, for status. Uh, what, what can you tell us about that? Well, that's not true, and I think that was really answered very well by Kellyanne Butler uh, when she put out a post on Facebook and said, look, it doesn't matter what you're a member of, you get your status and everything through Holopoo with the federal government. The fact that uh, if you are picked up later within one of these appeals, the Wells case or with the Abbott case, uh, it has no bearing by being a member of, of the Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland. So she answered that question quite well, and the only thing I can say is that people are out there are putting out falsehoods, and uh, for egregious reasons that is unknown to me, there's a lot that we can gain from being a member of CAP. There's, uh, of course, funding, and then there's access to program funding, uh, through CAP, and uh, it also gives us a larger voice to uh, go after the federal government to become a status band or to roll us into uh, into Holopu in the same manner as that uh, Flat Bay was, along with uh, Benoit's Cove, just to name a couple. Hmm. Now, you mentioned funding that might be available from CAP. Is that funding for operational expenses only, or would that be funding that you would have to apply for for specific uh, programs, a housing program, a health program, one-offs? Yep. Is it one-offs, or is it more uh, permanent uh, ongoing funding for operations? There's two parts to that. One would be funding for the operation, and the, and the remainder would be one-off funding for programs. I see. And do you know what kind of amounts uh, would be available from uh, from CAP? Well, uh, I've heard numbers up to 60,000, but uh, I'm not quite sure, you know, if that's the exact number. I guess with them, it also depends on how much the federal government is giving them each year. Uh, so you're having, you're getting your application in uh, into CAP. When does CAP make the decision on who will be the Newfoundland affiliate? Yeah, that would be in, at their AGM coming up uh, late summer. I believe it's uh, late August or very early September. Mm. Now, uh, it just so happens that your meeting on the 23rd is three short days before the hearing on the Abbott case in Ottawa on Feb 26. Mm -hmm. And right. um, some people have said, well, maybe you're getting a bad feeling about how you're going to do in the Abbott case. Uh, and no, uh, no. You're, you're sort of making plans, going for option B uh, in case you lose. Uh, we we don't have any bad feelings about the Abbott case. As a matter of fact, uh, this case we are really confident on. Uh, it's going to be difficult, if not impossible, for the federal government and the FNI to uh, use the point system. Mm. We believe that that's going to disappear. Uh, what happens in how the judge interprets everything? You know, you can you can speculate, but you cannot make a determination. What I'm trying to do right now is get all of our ducks in a row, and uh, for a worst-case scenario, yes. We know right now, Glenn, that there's going to be people not getting into the Holopoo. From the Wells decision, uh, the Abbott one is much different, but on the Wells side, there's going to be a lot of people that cannot meet the self-identification criteria. What uh, feedback have you been getting about this uh, meeting on Feb 23rd? Are you getting is there mm -hmm. getting any kind of pushback about 
uh, going for uh, to be a non-status band? Uh, the only pushback we're really getting is from people uh, that are on the Facebook page that are not members of uh, MFNAN and are just sort of stirring the pot with all kinds of foolishness. So we're getting some of that. And uh, because there are other competing groups out there, uh, I use the word competing. They're competing with us, but we're not competing with them. Hmm. And how many members in, uh, in MFNAN now who are eligible to vote in the meeting? There'll be approximately 3,500. Right, and uh, I think you've made arrangements uh, for votes by proxy for people who won't be able to yes. attend in person. Correct. Yes. That's in accordance with the bylaws. Dave Wells, Chief of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time is with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio in North Point and Rocky Harbor. Tune in on The Voice of Bombay and in St. John's. Catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.